Greetings Stay Frosty Parkrunners and welcome to the 27th edition of the Stay Frosty Parkrun podcast. I'm your host, Emu, and I'm going to be here for the next 20 minutes or so to talk about different running surfaces. I'll also be announcing my Star Parkrunner of the Week, detailing my featured parkrun and some upcoming anniversaries, and of course letting you all know how we got on in our parkruns this week. Now, I mention these every week when I'm talking about my featured parkrun, so this week I thought I'd look in a little more detail at the different surfaces that everyone runs on. What surface you run regularly on can affect your choice of shoe and change your running technique and the amount of effort you need to put in to maintain the same times. Starting with one of the most common, tarmac, and other similar hard surfaces, they're a nice quick running surface which can yield some good running times. Whilst the surface is dry, it has a good grip and it's easy to propel yourself forward. Even in wet conditions, it's not too bad in this regard, but can become slippery if leaves have gathered or if something like moss is growing on neglected areas of the tarmac. Runtastic.com says that it's the perfect surface for tempo workouts, the ones that you run at target pace for that distance. Because it's so even, you can pretty much ignore the surface and focus on your run. It's a little less hard than concrete, and Run As Well points out that it's easy to keep a steady running rhythm on it. It's also true that a lot of organised running events are actually run on the road, or road surfaces, so it's good for getting your body used to the hard impact of running on this surface. Of course, conversely, this surface will put more stress on your joints, so you need to be careful, especially if you have existing joint issues, and you need to wear a well-cushioned pair of shoes to help lessen the impact on your body as you run. I could here refer back to my barefoot running pod where some studies showed that having a pair of shoes with better cushioning actually means that you apply more downward pressure because you feel like there is enough cushioning to cope with the force, but I'm going to work on the assumption that if you have joint problems then you're probably taking care to run with a lighter step to lessen the impact on your knees and other joints. A good tip for this is actually to try and run as quietly as possible, but this might be difficult to gauge if you're also running with music. Moving on, trail surfaces, that's compacted earth or well-defined woodland paths, will have slightly less impact on your body compared to tarmac. The hardness of this surface will vary depending on location and weather. The location could mean that you're running over tree roots or the occasional rock, which is why this surface is suited to a flexible and reactive running style. Woodland trails also tend to boast rather picturesque locations and softer paths where leaves etc. have fallen onto the path, and this means less impact on your joints but it does also mean that it can be slippery it can be a slippery surface to run on wood chip woodland trails have been mentioned by runners world as a particular treat for runners with low impact and a nice even surface that you can run on an article on realbuzz.com also highlights the point that running on changing surfaces like trails can help build up strength and stability in runners feet ankles and hips as you have to adapt as you run They also point out that you should look out for other path users, especially bicycles, which can approach quickly and quietly and zip past you. With this in mind, it might be a good idea to leave your headphones at home so that you can be more aware of your surroundings. With lower impact on your body, dirt can also be a good good running surface to help manage running-related injuries. Again, with trail running, you need to make sure that your running shoes are suited to the surface. Trail running shoes are designed to help you grip on rugged terrain with deeper treads and constructed to offer more support to your feet and ankles. They tend to be slightly heavier and stiffer than road running shoes. 
Grass surfaces are another common one amongst the park run courses. If you're considering trying barefoot running, Runtastic says that grass is the way to go, but you should be careful to be aware of anything like rocks or gravel hidden in the grass which could injure your feet. Grass is another good surface for building strength, as it makes your muscles work hard whilst you're running. Some time spent running on grass could make a noticeable difference when you go back to running on a harder surface like tarmac. Grass is generally low impact, but it can be slippery or even muddy in the winter, and if you're not very familiar with the area you're running in, there could be divots or undulations in the ground, which could be risky if you have weak ankles. Longer grass will of course increase the risk of injury, but long grass will also give your muscles more of a workout. To get around this, you could walk the grass route that you're planning on running beforehand to check for any hazards like unseen potholes or rabbit holes in the ground. Another surface, which isn't, as far as I know, included in any park run, is the treadmill. Running on a treadmill seems to split opinions quite dramatically. Some love the convenience of it, others hate the sight of it. Treadmills vary a, a little in terms of the give in the surface, but overall it has more give than harder outdoor surfaces. Some people use a treadmill after a break or injury to get back into running or to transition to outdoor running. The running technique on a treadmill from, differs from running outdoors because the surface is being pulled under your feet as opposed to you having to push yourself forward. This means that it can be a more gentle way to run, but it's worth noting that the change in push-off technique will increase the stress on your calves and Achilles tendons. This could lead to overuse injuries if you're not careful. It can also be tricky to stay focused on a treadmill as the view won't vary very much, which is probably why a lot of people listen to music when they're running on the treadmill. As most people don't have the money or the space to have a treadmill at home, this does mean you would need to visit a gym to use a treadmill, which I know isn't everybody's cup of tea. On the plus side, the treadmill is very adaptable. You can set the speed and incline or vary them to your taste. If, so if you want to do some hill training, but you live in a very flat area, you could use a treadmill for this option. The surface is very predictable, and even so, aside from overuse injuries, it makes it less likely that you would injure yourself on an unseen obstacle or a slippery corner, for example. As a personal preference, I tend to steer clear of the treadmill if I can avoid it. One of the biggest joys of running for me is that you can just pop on a pair of shoes and go outside wherever you are. It's free and available to anyone who wants to give it a go. Last time I ran on a treadmill, and this was some years ago, I will happily admit, I did get a little dizzy, as it can be a bit disorienting running without moving forwards, especially after you stop the treadmill because you get that sort of feeling like you're still moving forwards even though you're not. I also have to say, as someone with very long legs, it does feel a little like you're at risk of hitting the front of the machine or sliding off the back if you're not careful. This could just be because I hadn't run enough on a treadmill to get used to it, but I would always choose to run outdoors before heading to the gym. The other thing to bear in mind is that if you work full-time and attend the gym during peak hours, there may not always be a treadmill available, depending on the size of the gym. So as a transition to outdoors or to do some gentle running after an injury, I can see the appeal, but I have to say the treadmill really isn't one that I would choose personally. Now, a beautiful image that always enters my mind when I think about running is a deserted beach early in the morning and a lone runner skirting the waves as they run barefoot along the wet sand. Just the freedom and energy which is conjured up motivates me to go and find a beach to run on. But I know that the reality might not be quite the same. Maybe I've been watching too many films, I don't know. 
Sand is a notoriously tough surface to run on. It creates resistance with each fo footstep, forcing your muscles to work really hard to achieve the same push-off you might be used to on a much more solid surface. Dry, deep sand can give your calf muscles a real workout without you having to worry about your joints because it's so low impact. But watch out for your Achilles tendons again, which will also have additional stress in soft sand and any weak ankles which may struggle in the softer surface. For wet sand, you gain a little more firmness in the ground, but you need to be aware that there'll be a tilt in the ground if you're running along the edge of the water, for example. So if you're running on in one direction for a long time, this can keep create stresses on one side of the body. Not the most romantic notion when it's analysed, but overall, running in sand will offer a good workout of your muscles, and as long as you don't do it for too long in one session, you can lessen the risk of any sort of repetitive stress injuries. Finally, for my segment on surfaces, artificial track. Traditionally, run in an anti-clockwise direction, it can put additional stresses on one side of your body if you run for a very long time on this surface. This is a soft, springy surface which is good for measuring how fast you can really go over a set, measured distance. Some people might find too many laps a bit repetitive, but this surface was literally designed to be run on, which makes it one of the fastest surfaces available. With all the resistance, sand is going to be the slowest surface to run on, although a slippery surface can also greatly impede your progress. As a personal choice, I like to run on a variety of surfaces, and from what I've read, this actually gives your body the best workout as you use different muscles in different ways depending on the surface you're running on. Living in the city, it can actually be difficult for me to find a huge variety of surfaces, so I mainly tend to run on tarmac. But as I cr increase the size of my laps during my training schedule, I'm running closer to some larger parks, which will hopefully allow me to vary the surfaces that I'm running on. Given the choice, I would go for earth tracks and short grass over any other, as even running with a less heavy footfall I can still feel my knees after a long run on tarmac. Do you have a preferred surface, or do you think that I've missed out an important one that you quite like? I'd love to hear your input on the issue. You can get in touch with me via the email, which is stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com, or on the Stay Frosty Facebook page. And this week, I am happy to announce that my star park runner is... Rachel Vickers, fifth female finisher at this week's Tooting, Tooting Common Park Run, in a new PB time of 21 minutes and 52 seconds. Rachel has done 31 runs at Tooting Common and a total of 56 park runs and has achieved a new PB on the previous two occasions she has run at Tooting Common Parkrun. Well done Rachel, that's a very impressive parkrun record. If you know someone who has achieved a new PB, started parkrunning or reached a parkrun milestone, let me know and they could be my next star parkrunner of the week. You can email your nominations to stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com or send me a message on the Stay Frosty Facebook page. This week, my featured parkrun takes us to Fell Foot Parkrun near Newby Bridge. I picked this parkrun at random from the UK Parkrun Events page. Fell Foot Parkrun is located at the southernmost point of Lake Windermere in the Lake District National Park. To get there by public transport, you can catch the number 6 bus, which runs from Windermere and Bonus on Windermere to Barrow all year round and stops right outside the park entrance. Getting there on foot is possible if you're staying at Newby Bridge, only a mile away, 
but it's 8 miles to Windermere and 10 miles to Ulverston. To drive there, which is probably the most likely option I have to say, Fellfoot Park is on the A592, that's the A592, one mile north of Newby Bridge. Turn into Fellfoot Park and follow the direction signs to the parking area. For SatNav you can use the postcode LA128NN. The course is described as an undulating figure of eight, with the top loop repeated. It is run on a mixture of grass, trail paths and gravel paths along the edge of picturesque Lake Windermere for part of the event. It can get quite muddy though in places after it's been raining. Parking has to be paid for unless you're volunteering, in which case see the run director to get a parking permit, or if you're a member of the National Trust it's also free, you need to scan your membership card as you enter the car park. Toilets and disabled toilets are available at the car park and the cafe. The Fellfoot Boathouse Cafe is located by the lake and open in the summer months. In the winter months, the post-park run coffee or tea is had at the Cafe Ambio at Backborough. There is also a free children's play area here. Recently, volunteer numbers have varied between about 20 and 25, and runner numbers have been in the 150 to 250 range. The highest number of runners was on the 15th of April in 2017, when 398 people turned up to take part in the event. To date, there have been 213 events making the start date for this park run, the 18th of October in 2014. I liked the idea of visiting the Lake District, and would certainly make the effort to attend a park run whilst I was there. Sounds like it might be a good idea to hire a car for this one though, as it's quite rural. must be getting used to that noise by now. There are quite a few parkrun anniversaries coming up, so I'm going to dive straight in and start with Haverville Parkrun, South Woodham Ferrers Parkrun, Hogmore Enclosure Parkrun and Whitney Parkrun, all of whom will be celebrating their first anniversaries. They all started on the 10th of March in 2018. Vogri Parkrun will be celebrating their second anniversary soon because they had their first event on the 11th of March in 2017. With an upcoming third anniversary, it's Rosliston Parkrun, who started on the 12th of March in 2016. And Halifax Parkrun started on the 7th of March in 2015, so they'll soon be celebrating their fourth anniversary. It'll be a sixth anniversary for Brandon Country Parkrun, Hackworth Parkrun and Newent Parkrun, who all started together on the 9th of March in 2013. It's an impressive 7th anniversary for Guildford Parkrun and Walsall Arboretum Parkrun, who both started on the 10th of March in 2012. And finally, for this week, it's an 8th anniversary for the well-established Pennington Flash Parkrun, which started way back on the 12th of March in 2011. Congratulations to all parkruns celebrating anniversaries. This week, Jay and I visited Tooting Common Parkrun in Wandsworth. It had a friendly atmosphere, but it felt very crowded. We were surprised to learn afterwards that there were actually only 617 parkrunners, which is one of their smaller events of late. Due to the numbers, there were signs at the start indicating where, she, where you should stand based on your estimated finish time. 
thus seeding the field so you don't end up stuck behind someone who is planning to run around in a slower time than you. Jay and I stood together between the 26 and 28 minute markers, as this is currently where we're running roughly, but we got stuck behind the vast numbers of people who are clearly not planning to run in this time. It's a little frustrating, but we knew it was going to be a busy event, so we both just went with the flow for the first lap and a half, whilst people spread out, which then allows others to overtake. Overall, this was an enjoyable course to run in three flat, not too muddy laps. There was a sensible funnel system in place to prevent people queuing beyond the timekeepers. After the timekeepers, the finishers were sent down either the right or the left channel of the finishing funnel. When one queue got too long, the next person was given a marker, in the form of a colourful fly swat, and sent down the adjacent funnel. This way, the people giving out the finishing barcodes could give to one funnel and then switch to the adjacent one when they reached the next marker, and so on to the end of the line. Unfortunately, on this occasion, there was some confusion with this method. There were two people giving out tokens, and neither seemed overly confident in what they were doing. I feel like it would have been better to have one person giving out the tokens and switching between the two queues, rather than two people trying to pass the tokens backwards and forwards. This confusion didn't seem to affect my time. In fact, my assigned time was actually a little quicker than my Strava recorded time. But Jay was caught up at a point where a group of tokens were accidentally issued to the wrong queue for a time before the issuers realised and began to give them back to the correct queue. The result of which is that Jay finished in about 29 minutes and 30 seconds, as recorded by his GPS device. But unfortunately, in the parkrun results table, he's got a time of 31 minutes and 30 seconds, which he found a little upsetting, as it means his overall average will gain some time this week instead of losing a few seconds. He did email the parkrun and asked if they could change his time, but I think there must have been so many people misissued the wrong finishing time that it's uh, probably very tricky to correct everyone in this occasion. I personally feel that this parkrun is a great example of the need for more parkruns in the borough of Wandsworth. I'm sure I've harped on about this before, but the trouble is that people who don't want to parkrun in their local park will point at Clapham Common Parkrun and Tooting Common Parkrun as examples of how this will overrun the park every Saturday morning, because they're both so crowded. And you can't dispute it, there are arguably too many park, run, park runners at both of these events each week, which means that the paths on the course cannot be used by other park users without being squeezed out to the side or off the path altogether. Despite the efforts of the volunteers to try and keep the runners to the left-hand side, there are simply too many runners for there not to be some disruption. But if there were more park runs in Wandsworth, then these runners wouldn't all have to squeeze into the only two available park runs in the borough, and the problem with high attendance numbers would be lessened and hopefully, with enough park runs, eliminate it completely. It's a bit of a catch-22. Whilst there are only two park runs in Wandsworth, the issue with the runner numbers will continue, and people against park run will have plenty of ammo for arguing against further events. But more events could be the very thing to solve the issue. Anyway. I've rambled on for long enough about this issue. I'm 100% for more park runs, but I can empathise with other park users when they are overrun for 45 minutes every Saturday morning, where they would normally walk the dog or take their kids to the park. If anyone high up from the park, or park run organisation is actually listening, then you should be aware that this is an issue which may get worse as the popularity of park run increases, especially in recent months. And if anyone from Wandsworth Borough Council is listening, then you need to know that the power to resolve this issue of the high runner numbers is actually in your hands. You need to approve some more park runs. All done, I promise. I just don't want it to get to the point where the park runs have to be cancelled because of issues like this. 
Incidentally, my park run recorded time this week was 27 minutes and 41 seconds, which I was happy with, given the numbers, especially because my pace increased with each kilometre, finishing more than a minute per kilometre quicker than I started, which is always something I aim to do. My training plan is still progressing. I missed on Monday's hill workout, so I crammed a hill into Wednesday's long run to make up for it, and I've managed to complete the rest of the days fairly comfortably. Next week, I move on to phase two of three, so I suspect that the intensity is going to be up somewhat. Wish me luck. And that is everything for this week. Next week, I'm going to be having a look at prison park runs, and all that remains is for me to say I hope you all had brilliant park runs this week, and if there's any of your parkrun stories that you'd like to share, you can email me on stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com or leave me a message on the Stay Frosty Facebook page. Wishing you all a fantastic week. Thanks very much for listening this week. Stay Frosty Parkrunners, and I'll see you all next week. Oh, wow.